You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M, and today let's break down the five storylines that you need to know going into fall camp for Timbo Fisher and the 12th man offense, 12th man defense, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to say, as they prepare for their week one matchup against Kent State in the start of the 2021 season. If you love this and all things SEC, make sure you listen to the one podcast where you get this every single day. And that would be Locked on SEC with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790. Gordy breaks down all 14 or 16, depending on what you really consider, with Texas and Oklahoma. We don't need to include them. Shh, not in loud. They're okay. They can go away. Either way, they cover all things about basketball, baseball, and, of course, the upcoming college football season. Subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. As always, make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. For those of you watching on Tegna, name right down there below. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to make this from a quality-sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout-out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12-man-related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes. Listen on Spotify. And if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. And if you love written content of Texas A&M, like you do with all the other websites, make sure you're following my work at allaggies.com, powered by sportsillustrated.com. We break down everything from game notes to film to things we're hearing to newsbreakers and all that and much, much more. For you, the fan, subscribe to us and make sure that you're getting in on our forums, on our daily dosage, whatever you want to call it. Make sure you're tuning in every single day at allaggies.com. I love a storyline. Storylines always are something when I look around the NFL or around college football. You make it up. And I'm not saying you personally make it up. I'm saying that in general, storylines are made up. Because if you want to have some momentum, some drama, some suspense, something along the lines of that to get the things going and the process moving in the right direction. And with Texas A&M, there's a bunch of storylines. There's a bunch to follow. There's a bunch to look at going into this year. Because this is a team that's coming off of a 9-1 record. One of their best in decades. Their best in the SEC and in all SEC season. Their one loss comes to Alabama in week two. And they win out the rest of the way. Including a big Orange Bowl victory over North Carolina. This was the highest ranking that they have finished since 1939 in the AP polls. And they're a year removed from playing the number one team in the AP poll on three different occasions, something that has never happened before in the realm of college football. Texas A&M had to go through that. They went seven and five. And unfortunately, it was lost year. But now this is a big year. This is a roster that is now Jimbo Fisher eccentric. This is a roster that now has most of Jimbo Fisher's pieces. This is a roster where I look top to bottom and I view them as one of the most complete units in America. But again, you have to figure out the storylines. You have to find the common balance. You have to find areas where they can be successful and areas where they can struggle. So what are the biggest storylines to follow for Texas A&M going into 2021? Let's break it down. Number five, which role player from last year steps up into a more full-time capacity role? There's not a lot of players who were gone. 
Not a lot of players left the program. Defensively, you bring back nine starters. Offensively, you lose four offensive linemen and a quarterback, but most of your weaponry is still there. But let's look at this. Role players are guys who didn't start. They didn't have a lot of action, but the action that they did have was so significant that they made a lasting legacy in year one or in year four, whatever role they were in, but they made an impact. So a guy like Aaron Hansford comes in and starts for Anthony Hines when Hines opts out. Not really a guy who's going to step up anymore because if he's already a starter, but a guy like Andre White Jr. was an impact player. White filled in for Hansford in the Orange Bowl. And White kind of plays a similar role to that of Buddy Johnson. Buddy's now in Pittsburgh. You don't have the leader of the defense. Hansford might be that guy, but you still need a thumper. That's kind of where Andre White fits best. Can he step up and play that role? Or will Edgerin Cooper, a guy who has been a name on the rise and somebody who has made an impact during the spring as a freshman, will he start seeing more reps? Because if he's a little bit faster, he can play a little bit more in space, and you don't need just a downhill tackler. Or potentially, and here's a crazy one, both of them make a big impact, and Hansford's more of the third down Space guy, when you want to play in coverage, you play him in that role. Is that going to be his role? Same thing on the defensive line. Isaiah Riggs really didn't do much last year, but he did have some key stops. McKinley Jackson, on the other hand, was the big name. He was the big ticket item. You saw him play very well and significantly growing each and every rep. And now he's likely going to take over for Bobby Brown in that nose tackle role. So when they run a three-man front, he's going to be the guy that stays out there. If they run a four-man front, he's probably going to be playing in a two-gap system where he will be either nose-to-nose with the center or he'll be offset on one of the shoulders of the center, trying to go either through that A-gap or B-gap, depending on what happens with the guard. Guard pulls, that sets up a whole other play. Uh, Guards comes down. Does he work more outside, kind of shuck and pull to kind of get to that edge? Those are some things I'm looking at. Another position, cornerback. Devin Moore is retired. He is no longer with the program, so he's no longer in the nickel. Antonio Johnson and Brian George both had limited roles their first year in College Station. But Antonio Johnson is a quick safety, the number one safety recruit coming out of Illinois in 2020, and he looks to be the part of a full-fledged defender. Kind of a little bit bigger than George in the sense of stockiness, not height. I think George has a couple inches on him. But George also could play the outside. Johnson could be the third safety or fourth safety if you really break it down because if you still have Keldrick Harper, uh, Leon O'Neal, and Damani Richardson. But Jalen Jones, who did play safety for Zabola Steel in high school, could actually be playing the nickel. More of a run defender up front, still have really good coverage, six foot two frame. That's something that Jimbo Fisher loves, bigger, lengthier corners. You could then have George play the outside along with Miles Jones. Jalen Jones play the inside, and you really have a three-man front that's going to be dangerous for this defense. And that's one of those things that I look at. They're returning nine starters, eight if you include Devin Morris being gone. But I still look at this team top to bottom, and there's some role players. Offensively, is Devon A-Chain going to have an expanded role? Anaya Smith is likely going to be more so featured in the slot as a wide receiver, but I expect him to kind of have like a Kadarius, Tony, Curtis Samuel type of role. So you won't have him just playing 
in the slot. You'll have him doing a little bit of everything. But that does limit his carries in the backfield, which opens up more for Devon A-Chain. Could he be having an expanded role after his success in the Orange Bowl? You saw that home run speed. You know that that's exactly what AM wants. They can have a three-man set at the running back position that is one of the top tier in the SEC, if not the country in general. Does he expand on his role? Those are some things I'm looking at. Any role player who's trying to become a full-fledged starter, they could have a really big week and they see more reps. And the more reps they see, it's a huge positive for them. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors that there's one for everyone? So if you're a coconut person, a raspberry gal, a mint brownie guy, or a salted caramel kid, don't worry. They have every flavor for you. And if you don't like any of those flavors or don't know what they taste like, don't got that. We got you covered. You can get a variety pack with two bars of every single flavor for you to test out and then find your favorite. Now, again, the bars are low in protein, uh, high in protein, low in sugar, high in fiber, and great for anybody on the keto diet. They only contain 7 to 18 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Go visit BuiltBar.com and type in LOCKED15 to save 15% off with your very first purchase. That's LOCKED15 at 50% off for BuiltBar.com. Stop eating the salty sweets and enjoy a treat that will meet your needs. Built Bar from BuiltBar.com. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. All right, we're talking about the storylines to follow this upcoming. And there's a few of them, I think, for sure. Number four, which freshman making this is a roster that's very top which means there's a lot of talent that has already been on the field. There's a lot of talent that's been around. There's a lot of talent that understands the system, understands the playbook, understands what their roles are. And you don't really have a lot of freshmen that need to step up. So last year, you know, when like Debbie Renfro went to the NFL, you need an outside cornerback, especially with um, Elijah Blades opting out. So Jalen Jones got some reps. There's not really that same role this year because of you have so many starters returning. But I do wonder, with a guy like Anias Smith moving more so to wide receiver, does that open the lane for a guy like LJ Johnson? Somebody who can be maybe a change of pace back, like a third down back or a red zone back, guy coming out of Cypher, big stocky frame, but still has some home run speed, a little bit bigger than Isaiah Spiller, a little bit faster than Isaiah Spiller, but not as fast as Devon A-Chain. So kind of a burlier back with not, I would say, home run speed, but enough speed that makes you take that next elevated step. So I think in the red zone, that big frame will allow you to bulldoze at that first level defense, and that speed and agility will allow you to cut at that second level defense to score. Defensively, can a guy like Shamar Turner, one of the highest graded defensive ends in the country, be able to step up with guys already there like DeMarvin Leal, who can play both inside and outside, guys like Tyree Johnson, guys like Fadil Diggs, guys like Danelle Harris, who barely played last year, and guys like Michael Clemens, who led the team in sacks during the first half of the season. Those are all things I look at and I go, okay, I think, I don't know for sure, but I think we could see one of these teams really step up and one of these players really take an impact role. The question is, what will that role be? Third down efficient guy? Will it be more of a um, of a full-fledged starter? Is it because of injury? There's a lot that I look at. 
And when I look at those things, that's what I talk about is I want to see those steps for a player. That's where a freshman makes an impact. And in the SEC, as many of you know by now, most coaches don't start freshmen. They have to be a really talented player or there has to be no depth at the position. So last year, like Ken Seals or uh, Connor Balziac for Missouri and Vanderbilt respectively, they started at quarterback because there was nothing there. Nothing. I mean, brand new, brand new system. They seem to be the right guys and both had decent years. Seals was a little worse than Balziac, but Balziac actually had a really decent year. He was the SEC newcomer of the year offensively. So I could see where a freshman maybe contributes at that level at smaller programs. At Texas A&M, there's none of that. No, there's so many starters already returning. You don't have to worry about that. Number three, and this is one that I've said multiple times and I'm going to continue to say it. Number one wide receiver. I believe Anaya Smith is not count because Anaya Smith is a weapon. He's not a wide receiver. You can play him in so many different roles. You can have him work as a jet sweep guy. You can have him work in the motion. And Jimbo Fisher said many times, there's an opportunity to where you could see a split backfield of Devon A. Chain in the slot, Anaya Smith in the backfield, opposite Isaiah Spiller, and A. Chain actually gets the jet sweep on the play. So there's a lot you can do with Anaya Smith. You need a number one wide receiver, a guy who can be that downfield threat, somebody who can be that constant reliability for whoever is at quarterback. That is something you have to have. Every team that is successful has it, and they've always had it. Look back at, like, let's just look back. Alabama last year had Devonta Smith. He won the Heisman. Absolute gem of a player. Year before that, LSU. LSU had two, but they had Jamar Chase leading the way with almost 2,000 receiving yards in Joe Brady's offense. Like, come on. Year before that, T. Higgins for Clemson. They were able to have a stellar year. And everything that they were able to do with that system because of they were able to win. You look at the year before that, Alabama. They still had Jerry Judy. They still had Henry Ruggs. They still had all these players who were stepping up into more unique roles you need a number one wide receiver to be successful in the SEC. You do. And to really be successful for the college football playoff. Even like schools like Ohio State have Chris Alave. Like they have number one wide receivers. So who's going to be that guy for Texas A&M? Could it be Musa Muhammad in the slot? Maybe. I do have very high hopes for him. Any single time there's a player who is the son of a former wide receiver or is the son of a coach of a wide receiver or something along the lines of that. I always lean that they're going to be successful. So I have high hopes for Moose. I do. I don't know if he's the number one. Is Caleb Chapman the number one? He showed why he should be last season against Florida, but that was also the end of his season because of a 20 CL. So you want him back fully healthy, but I do think that he could have that number one mentality, especially for how he was able to extend plays deep down the field. You also have Chase Lane, one of the more consistent possessional receivers. Guy who got about 12, 13 yards, didn't do much after the catch, but got that first down. Continued to move the change, continued to move the, the sticks, picking up first downs, keeping drives alive, letting that clock turn around. Maybe that's a number one this year. Maybe that X receiver split in. But of course, Demond Demas. We got to talk about him. Guy has frontline speed. Guy has size at six foot three. 
He's apparently gained weight. He's up to like 215 after weighing 185 coming into the program. So almost up 30 pounds. Still has not lost that 4-4 speed. So that makes him a Z receiver, like a Jamar Chase level, to where he could have over 1,000 yards. You just got to be able to get him on the field. You just got to be able to trust him. And if you do, and after everything we've heard from spring, how he's had a really good spring, he's really made an impact, he's really rebounded this year, I do believe there's a lot to like about him. And I do believe there's a lot that when you look at this roster, he has the mentality to be a number one. You just got to get him on the field. And if you do, I do think that this is going to be a really big breakout year for him. But somebody has to step up as that number one wide receiver because of the two points I'll make after this. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Betting on Texas A&M does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicap expert Lee Stewart. Both of them break down blowout specials, the long team favorite picks, and Lee's block of the day. Follow Locked on Bets presented to you by betonline.ag on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast listening systems. So we're talking about this, uh, the five things that I'm looking forward to this upcoming year. Role players from number from last year who are stepping up to be full-time starters is number five. Number four, who are the freshmen to watch for? Because there's always one or two that break out. Number three, the number one wide receiver. Somebody has got to take that number one mantle. And I don't think it can be Anaya Smith because if he's so much more than that, he's a weapon. He does a little bit of everything that you want. Number two, offensive line. The offensive line has got to be the number one thing to watch for outside of the biggest storyline that everyone knows. Everyone already knows it. So I'm not going to really spend much time on that one. So I'll spend a lot of time on this. Every single team that is good in the NFL is good not because of the wide receivers. They're not good because of the run game. They're not good because of just coaching. All those things are factors. But the best friend of a quarterback are the five men up front. You look last year, the top 10 offenses in the NFL. Also, I think eight of them were top 10 in fewest sacks allowed. That's a correlation. You have good protection. You have a good offense. And for Texas A&M, their offense early on could be very dependent on the run game of Isaiah Spiller, Devon A-Chain, LJ Johnson, Anaya Smith. Those four, and even throw DeAndre Jackson in there. You never know. He could be he could make a big impact in some way. Those five are going to be huge if Haynes King or Zach Calzada cannot get the job done. You're going to be trusting the run game more and more. So you have to have a nice balance in blocking. We know for sure two of the positions are set. I, you know what? I'll go three. We know for a fact, Luke Matthews is starting at center. He's a guy who's been in the system for a while. He understands what Jimbo Fisher is looking for. And he comes from a football pedigree from the Matthews family. So he will be a perfect fit right up the middle. We know that. We know Kenyon Green is going to be playing left tackle. He was an All-American at guard. Can he be an All-American at tackle? That's the biggest storyline. If he can do that, that's a big plus for Texas A&M, especially offensively. We also know Layden Robinson is likely starting at either left or right guard. That we know. He is an athletic machine. Apparently, if you ask Jimbo Fisher, one of the more athletic players 
that he's ever seen on an offensive line, which is a big plus, especially if you're using him in a pulling guard situation to be able to get that extra blocker towards the edge for a guy like aging to show off that home run speed at that second level of the defense. That's huge. The right side is the question. Who steps up? Is it Ruben Fathering? Is it Bryce Foster? Is it Trey Zahn? Is it going to be Jameer Johnson, the transfer from Tennessee? He looks to be possibly a bigger name and a name that has tremendous value because if he's been playing in the SEC for so long. On top of that, you also have a guy who can play left guard, right guard, left tackle, right tackle. So say Trey Zahn or um, Ruben Fathery have a really good fall. Do you move Johnson inside? Or do you leave a key there? A key was a redshirt freshman, but according to everything Jimbo Fisher said at SEC Media Days, he is a name on the rise. He is somebody who is going to make an immediate impact, and he's agile, quick, and makes a lot of plays for somebody who is over 300 pounds. If that's your starting line, good for you. But at this point, you have to make sure they're the right five. It's not about positioning. I always think that, you know, you can teach someone to play left tackle if they've never played left tackle. There may be some growing pains, but you can teach them. You can teach somebody to play right guard if they've never played right guard. Growing pains, but you can teach them. The five best offensive linemen have to be out on the field. That's the end of the story. If you have your eighth best lineman out on the field because if he's a right guard and your fifth best lineman is a left tackle, you're going to teach him how to play left tackle or left guard. You're going to teach him how to play that left guard role because that's the only way you're going to win. You have to show straight up, right in front of everybody, this means war. We are here to compete, and the only way we compete is by producing our top five offensive linemen. But the number one storyline, we all know it, QB1. Who's it going to be? Haynes King, Zach Calzada. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I've done multiple podcasts on this in the past, but we do know that these are the two. And Jimbo Fisher has said multiple times, he believes in both. He loves the upside of Haynes King. He's a mobile guy. He can do a little bit of everything. You got to appreciate that. But he also says that Zach Calzada can move. Zach Calzada is not just a stick in the pocket. He can maneuver outside of pressure. And they both have good arms. Maybe Kings is a little stronger, but I honestly think Calzada's is a little bit more accurate. So what are you looking for? If you're trying to extend plays 50 yards down the field, maybe you go with King. If you're okay controlling the clock on third down, moving the ball, just kind of keeping the drive in your favor, Calzada might be the better option. Any one of those things could work. Neither is a problem. But you have to make sure it's the right guy. And you have to figure it out by Arkansas. That's the biggest thing. You have three weeks. You have a game against Kent State. You have the game against Colorado. And you have the game against New Mexico. All four, three of those games should help set you up for Arkansas. Arkansas alone, you better have a starter in mind. And if you want to play both, go for it. There are really good defense. Both of your quarterbacks could need some SEC experience. But after that game, you have to have a starter. And I think that going into the preseason, going into fall camp, Fisher may have an idea of which direction he's leaning, but this is a very big deal. This is where everything comes together. We find out everything we need to know about Texas A&M football. And with that in mind, we need to know who's going to lead under center. 
Both of these guys, I think, can get the job done, but somebody has to separate themselves. And every single day in practice, Haynes King, Zach Calzada are going to be the storylines to watch. That does it for me right here at Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Name right down there below for all of you watching on Tegna. I'll be back on Monday talking all things about the first practice, what was seen on Friday, and what were some of the biggest takeaways. I'll see you then. And remember, give me y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.